back on this week's episode, Election Week in America. And in the next 60 days, perhaps the end of America. In any case, we explore why, in the shadow of divided government, the market rallies to new heights. Plus, does a Biden presidency mean better prospects for the East Asian markets, specifically China? We explore that and more. What's your network? What's your network in the back? Oh, Bloomberg. I guess they're talking about vaccines and Bloomby. Yeah, got it. It's the go-to. It's go-to. I've been on CNN. Ah, Bobby, you still on CNN? No, I I, I just gave up. I stopped caring. <laughs> Aside from Andy Yang, I don't know. Not really any reason to. <laughs> The, it's the la- it's the last days of the dawn or America. Still unclear. Still unclear. Uh, by the way, Robert and I were talking about this last night. Can I do a plug for myself and for Robert and for you, James? The guy on every network who's on the screen doing the map, like, let's go over to Maricopa County and you just read off percentages and how the margin's changing. We could be really good at that. And on top of that, what they're missing is we go over to Robert and James in Degenerate Corner. What does Bovada say about the American election? Someone's, no one's doing the Bovada updates. Come on. Yeah, that's, you missed that one, man. That was great. That was like, that swing was just ridiculous. That, that first market day. opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would, would be great if we had, we had odds on, you know, individual counties too. Oh, um, man. Give me, give me, uh, yeah, like on election night, give me like, uh, I don't know, plus 550 on Delaware County, Pennsylvania. Come on. <laughs> go. What was, uh, just, just for fun, uh, what, Bobby, what did we end up? I didn't participate, but you know, I was there. What, what were the odds going from election night before election night to election night to the next day on Biden versus Trump? And how did you and James ride the wave? It was impressive. Before markets closed, um, Biden was like a minus 180, I believe. Um, Trump was like a plus 140. Uh, Meaning just for the most part, that meant Biden was a pretty heavy favorite, but not not overwhelming. Um, I want to say like an hour after the market closed, uh, the world was falling over and the dawn was like a minus... 550 minus 650 somewhere in that range yeah the red mirage baby yeah before so, the urban so, counties and the mailings yeah exactly so james and i threw some money on on biden at plus 350 and then like an hour later um it just completely undid itself so 
I want to say, um, yeah, like an hour later, James hedged with a bet on the Don at minus 180. So, you know, that's when the suburban housewife started kicking in and all of a sudden the line evened out. Hell um, yeah. Yeah. So, so your bet, so your, your bet was risk-free. Um, and then I, I, I just let it ride. I, I went to sleep, woke up the next morning and I ultimately did place a hedge. So I also put in a bet on, on the Donald, except that one was at like, I don't know, plus 400 or something. So my, my hedge ended up costing about $30 instead of the one, the 180 that you, that you paid. That's still still some solid, some solid election at gambling nonetheless. Yeah. I mean, the, the swings, the swings were impressive for sure. So, well, I mean, let's put, let's just put a bow on the election. This is how I feel about it. James way in here. I already told Robert, it's like, it was the same as 2016, except all of the coin flips that determine the election. Upper Midwest, Georgia, Arizona came up Biden by a hair. Yeah, yeah I think there's there's still no repudiation of Trumpism. Trumpism's still no. alive and so alive and well. Yeah, and uh, and is you know it's a small margin, but uh, Republicans made a lot of inroads to Hispanics, other minorities. And I think Biden made inroads to elderly and, and working class and like moderate Republicans. And so, you know, it's, it's that strategically, yeah, the, the, the Democrats got to figure something out. Um, but yeah, we have, we're, we're, we're not really that much different than we were, um, you know, a few months ago. But your point, marginal, it's like all these marginal politics, mm-hmm. Republicans, with Hispanics like Robert who hate poor people. Not saying Robert voted for Trump. That's not what I'm saying. Robert, I don't know who you vote for. I'd love you no matter what. (laughs) I'm just saying that you do hate poor people. And uh, for example, and uh, to your point, white working class people that, or Republican defectors like Lincoln Project types that voted for Biden. Like at the margins, it it was all enough to get Biden on the right side of the ledger. Now, not a politics podcast, but it's important. Basically, we're seeing an incredible rally on the heels of these outcomes. And uh, what you articulated, James, is important because what it means is divided government, ultimately, for the next four years is what the market's pricing in. So why is that, why is that causing a rally in your view, James? Well, there's a, there's a whole bunch of things going on. Um, but I guess the, the general risk on is just because now we have clarity. So whether you're on one side of the trade or another side of trade, you're still going to be holding back leading up to the election. And now, you know, we have certainty and then let, let's go, let, let's deploy our capital now. Now on the other coin, there's also the yield curve and whoever was president, there was different, very different yield curve expectations, a steeper yield curve um, is, is associated with Biden and a lot of the, and a blue wave and all the spending and then that's actually good for cyclical. So we saw that cyclical rotation when everyone thought that there, were, there was going to be a blue wave. And then we have now this, this reversal back into tech because under a divided government or even under if, if Trump was going to be president, it was going to be a flatter yield curve because you don't have that much spending. And that's good for tech because of all those long-term discounted cash flow, capital um, uh, ca- uh, cash flows that come in. And then that's like, you know, um, 
like your valuation goes into infinity really in perpetuity. And that's, that's why it's good for tech. So, so we do see risk on and tech rally relative to tech outperformance. Yeah. And then divided government, I think that divided government might be secondary as far as, yeah, like tech regulations and, and then taxes, definitely we're not going to get any taxes. So that's, that's a uh, good for the markets. Um, but on the bad side, you don't get any, like any substantive or any significant um, uh, stimulus. So build, building on what you said, uh, so the, the technical element is there, but is, is there a simpler argument for, to your point, the, it's like the ground rules have now become clear for the next four years. And if the Republicans hold on to the Senate and the, the House is like not a decisive victory for the Democrats, then it means the prospect of regulation of any kind more taxes, tech regulation, to your point, very minimal risk that that's going to happen now. So yep. another reason why the NASDAQ is shooting up. Bobby, did we miss yeah. anything? No, I mean, that, that's, that's pretty spot on. Although, to be perfectly honest with you, I, I do think the market would have rallied regardless. Um, because uh, certainty is its own reward? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Especially when you consider like how how deeply we sold off leading up to it, like there was no there was no scenario. Even if it was like okay, it's the end of the world. Like even on that, the market would have rallied, just because <laughs> we know that. Yeah, like uh, let's say worst case scenario, Trump is like, I'm launching the nukes, I'm burning it all down. The market goes, well, we have one more day to make some money. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. Well, but, no, but but uh, I, I do agree with all of James's points. Like, um, you know, the fact that there is no existential threat on any uh, any policy matters really really helps. Yeah, and uh, I think I can't remember what we said before, James. You did have a, a take on divided government, but it was almost like. An anarchy, a certain form of anarchy is what the, the market likes because it just means nothing's going to change. Yeah, there, there was that take. But then I think I, I actually said before that that the worst case scenario was a Biden presidency with the Red Senate. And that's probably going to happen. And so I'm still a little worried because, you know, we, we looked at, let's say, o Obama's last two years where we had McConnell um, in, in the majority, too. And really, the market traded sideways. And I think it might be doing the same thing. I mean, we'll, we might get a vaccine, we might get this, this, the, the, the kind of post COVID balance, but I don't know. I don't really see it going, going to 4,000, you know, in, in, in the, in the near term, in the next two years. Well, does it cement uh, to your point? It, uh, you're thinking about more like the called the medium term implications, let's say mm -hmm. of divided government. Does it cement the, uh, does it cement this like bifurcation in the market? away from cyclicals into the NASDAQ. Yep, I, I think so. And that's, that's why I'm playing. I bought some puts on the uh, Russell today and I'll probably continue to buy puts just to, just to protect myself because I think the real economy might still be, be pressured, especially with rising COVID cases for the winter. Uh, it, it, it could be tough sledding for the next like you know, six months. There is, well, it's, it's up everywhere. There's another, there's another silver lining, James, no pun intended. We'll get to minerals in a second. Uh, the other bounce you saw, if you own any exposure in China, uh, 
like MCHI. I don't know if you still have yen, Robert. I do. But China ETFs were all up. I read that as a Biden presidency is better for China relations. Is that all that's happening here? Or is it is it just following the broader trend? What do you think, Robert? Well, I mean that that's sort of been the understanding. At least that's that's what gets attached to the idea of a Biden presidency. But even during the course of the campaign itself, there's been no indication that Biden would be nicer. I think it's just sort of assumed. Um, I do ultimately think like there is something to that. And to your point, I did see a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, Chinese companies and ETFs rally. And there's also like some options activity that suggests that's going to continue. But yeah. again, at the end of the day, like during the campaign, Biden wasn't overly um, friendly in his rhetoric. So It'll be hard to see. I mean, we'll have to wait and see. But at the end of the day, since there is a divided government, nothing he does will really matter. It's just going to be rhetoric. So the assumption for me anyway is like, as long as he's not tweeting as often, um, you know, that's that's really all we're, we're expecting. Because let's face it, other than um, the trade one, the, the phase one trade deal, which frankly didn't do a whole lot, most of the China rhetoric coming from Trump was in the form of mean tweets. True. Well, James, so tell me what you think. The one nuance of American politics is that um, domestically, the president can be overrated, seriously overrated in his ability to influence any economic outcome. But in foreign policy, the president virtually has monopoly power. And if you think about East Asia as a sphere of investment, probably a Biden presidency is better for your buy and hold prospects over the next four years. Or am I just making shit up, James? Well, I think I think it makes some people more, some investors more comfortable that you don't get a middle of the night tweet. And you know, yeah, the stability trading. in the form. Yeah, the stability I think helps. Uh, but also, I mean, China's been outperforming, right? Asia's been containing the virus better than the West has. And then you see this kind of movement away from Europe. Europe actually sold off a couple of weeks ago after after the cases spiked, and then so some of that probably did move to Asia as well. So so there's there's a couple stories there. With there, know, there is a structural element to all of it. Yeah. Fair. Fair. Well, fi- final bit on the the chaos ladder that was this week. What is the state of the dollar and minerals, James? Strange, strange movement there, but the dollar has sold off. I think there is the secondary it's story of with the chaos. It's yeah, yeah, the dollar has sold off, and there's just this weird correlation. I mean, this is just the la- a crazy month of you know, kind of inverse correlation of bond yields and stock prices. Usually, they they move in tandem, and just there's just so much going on that it's really hard to unpack. But I think it could be that a lot of global investors. Just don't want to invest in the U.S. as much. There's there's a slight pullback, and so weaker dollar, good for uh, minerals and also Bitcoin. I think had a little rally, so you saw that in this past month, and I think that's continued. This kind of this dollar off, uh, the dollar off rally. Mm-hmm. So, is is it time for the Silver Surfer to take down his board? 
Well, you know, you would have rallied if if uh, if you got in, let's say in I don't know, because well, I because I got in way too early. It was already high, so I'm not going to make my money back. Yeah, but if you in the last it, week, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, but if you did it like in the last yeah month or so, then you would have you, you would have timed it well. Yeah, yeah. And that would have been the way to go. Well, the, so I was actually just looking at what the activity looks like on both the GLD and the SLB, um, and this is sort of reminiscent of what we saw back in like July or August where when people started jumping on the train, the bets were getting more and more aggressive, meaning, you know, silver started at like 18, $18. And then, um, as it approached like 24, 25, you started seeing like bets out into the low to mid thirties. And I'm seeing that now there's like a huge bet on the SLV hitting. What is that? 35 by December 18th, which seems wow. very aggressive. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that's, what is that? 10,000 contracts. There's one on the SLV hitting uh, 2950 by January. That's another 6,000 contracts. So th there's a lot of activity of people getting very bullish on, on the minerals. But again, this sort of reminds me of what we were saying in August, which was like the end of the uh, the end of the rally before another spectacular collapse. So I, I wouldn't jump on this right now, but um, there's a lot of momentum there. Yeah. So maybe I can make my money back in a couple of weeks during tax preparation. When do your contracts expire? I was gonna say things are looking up. Yeah, like I think probably was it whatever whatever this month's expiration is is it 18th or 20 something? 20th, I think. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so so there's there's activity that suggests a rally. It's 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 aggressive, but it's there. All right. Well, and and there's so much. So we're all talking about like just trends in the short term. We are so far uh, from being out of the woods on what the Don's going to do over the next sixty days. It's going to be crazy. I think it's going to be. I mean, well, okay. Let me say this. What, what do I feel good about? Volatility is going to be crazy. Just volatility in terms of any, any index you're in, it's going to be all over the place. And uh, maybe that two, you got two weeks left on the clock for the silver surfer. If it's real chaos, people get into minerals. Maybe, maybe there's a chance, James. Yeah, this, yeah, I have no idea what to expect from this lame duck session. Yeah. Like no idea. Well, there, there, there's still talk of uh, a stimulus getting passed at some point before the end of the year. So, with with the prospect of divided government, that's the one big drawback that was being priced in. Like, oh, there won't be excess stimulus. But if Trump manages to pass one before the end of the year, then I think we'll be more or less okay. And you still take off the the threat of higher taxes and all of that. That's true. What, the question is, like, what incentive does the Don have to try to get a deal done at this point? Un unless he's just trying to, like, raise his profile for his news network that he's going to start right after this. There's always 24, baby. Oh, uh, great point, Robert. I mean, it, it, if I don't know. If he actually bows out at some point or is forced out of office, yeah, 100% he's going to try to make it back in 2024. The question is, will he live? And I think, live that long, and I think he will because I think he's Satan. And uh, he was sent by Satan 
to uh, live for a hundred years and always run for president. And well, he he doesn't drink, which let's face it, that's what's taken me down. So he doesn't drink, but he does eat a lot of fried chicken. He did get COVID. I mean, he could he could rapidly decline. Yeah. No. Yeah, it wreaks havoc on your cardiovascular system. Hard <laughs> enough to even maintain it without <laughs> yeah. without having COVID. So I mean, let's. I'll call this uh, regional politics that has business implications. Prop 22 went in Uber's direction. So, Robert, I think now you can return to California. That's really the reason that you left. You thought Uber might not exist, in which case your entire lifestyle of ordering DoorDash from one block away would have fallen fallen into the sea. And now you can keep your lifestyle of infinite sandwiches delivered by the wretched poor to your doorstep and uh they will still not have health care so well um yeah yeah i mean from a business standpoint it's it's great from the standpoint of someone who depends on that heavily it's great and you're right in that the first thing i did when i arrived to new orleans was order doordash from uh, a restaurant on this same block and had it delivered so um, status baby status yeah. <laughs> so I'm, i might be going back to california soon but tbd although with that said um the prospect of owning um uber and lyft stock definitely seems much more appealing like that was one of the things that was uh, heavily suppressing uh, the stock price, and we saw that the second that it was announced that it passed, it's been it's been very strong rallies over the last few days. Do you think it's a breakout though, or is it just a blip? Because everything about Uber's financials is horrible. Well, since since I only trade in the short term, it, it's all the same to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, why I put that on your radar is Uber could see a short term rally and then collapse again. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I still wouldn't put any of this in like my 401k or anything, but um, the volatility around its normal day-to-day moves should definitely lessen. So it makes it much more tradable for me. Well, we all know in the case of Uber and Lyft, they, they live and die in the long term on robot cars. Right, 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 right. So all of, all of this, in my view, all Prop 22 settled was that on average, people in California are more concerned about getting DoorDash and being able to get ripped and have someone drive them home than catering for the wretched poor. Which makes sense, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't see it at that way because we're saying that, <laughs> that you know, their valuation is based on them having robot cars. So the only way they're worth whatever they're worth is if they actually lay off all these drivers uh, in, uh, in the future of them, you know, this is just helps them prolong kind of this arrangement, which is pretty much unsustainable to begin with. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's true. So, true. So that's, that's how I look, look at it. And, and, you know, I, I think in, in 10 years, if, if they're still at this model of, of, uh, you know, of human workers, it's, they're not going to survive. As a viable business or they'll just yeah, be exactly. like, yeah, they're gonna go. They're gonna go go bankrupt. Most because they they just won't be able to capitalize enough to keep funding their horrendous losses. 
Yeah, and I don't think they'll get to autonomous soon enough to to offset. Well, so, so I'm yeah. Dara's been saying that Uber should break up should make a profit. I want to say next year. Well, to James's point, it is honestly it's like not inconceivable that the most likely thing to happen to Uber is that it just falls into the graveyard of American business and dies. And eventually when autonomous driving is figured out, like Google just creates a Google drive app or whatever. It's like so easy to replicate for one of the tech monopolies. It doesn't have to be Uber that survives. It's just, they've proven that it's a, it's a model that works for consumer demand. You just have to make the economics of the actual business work. Yeah, no, I, I definitely get that. It's just, Somehow, somehow, Dara's been saying that Uber will make a profit in the next year. Um, I, I don't know how that's going to happen, but there apparently there is a path to profitability for them that isn't dependent on robot cars. Hmm. Seems hard to understand. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Fair but enough. It is one of the things that gets brought up. Um, during each one of their earnings calls. So, TBD. Uh, what, what else are you guys watching out for, thinking about that we haven't talked about here? Or did we just nail it? Just my Russell puts. That's about it. Yeah. I, I like Russell puts. That's just an insurance. I'm still going to be long the market going, going in. To, uh, through through early next year. Yeah. Uh, I bought a call spread yesterday on Marriott that expired today because they reported earnings. It was um, favorable, yeah? Favorable earnings. Yeah. Well, they, they missed on EPS. I think everything else was good. So the market, the, the, the stock did rally. I did close out of that today because they expired today. But I do like the overall... Um, takeaway from the earnings and the chart looks favorable so although this was a one-day play i will probably put another order in on uh, monday that goes out more in the long term or medium term because marriott in the long term doesn't seem like a great play yeah yeah that's yeah that's, it's the one cyclical i own or one of the, the few cyclicals i own Marriott? Yeah, yeah, and you know, I've been it's gone that's gone nowhere. All my cyclicals have really gone nowhere or are trash like uh storms. <laughs> but yeah, I think I yeah, saw Delta. Out. I have a Delta, yeah. a little bit, just a taster. Yeah, no, th this this was like a very, very short term one day play on earnings, and it was just like a call spread that required a two percent move to make money. So, you know, it worked. Yeah. All right, it's good to be back. Uh, hopefully America's still here next week. And if it is, we'll be back. <laughs>